<laughs> oh, I was saying that when you, at any point in your life, as a born again, purebred, I like to call it believer, meaning you've truly had the moments of salvation, you've had a true encounter with God, you've given your life to Christ, and you've had that shift into your new creation, your kainos creation, when you've had that shift, then if you have any form of guilt, shame, condemnation, or negative thought, or bad thought or condemning thought about yourself, you need to know that you are still in the law. And if those thoughts still work with you, you are still operating your life under the law. The same way if you have it towards somebody else, you're operating under law. Now by me saying that, I'm not putting condemnation on you. I'm just trying to open your mindset to think, why do I say that? Because the moment you know what I've just said is the moment you'll be like, oh wait, I'm still under the law. Automatically, your mindset will shift. No, but what does grace say? Law says this, but what does grace say? Law says I'm condemned, but grace says I've been set free. Law says I'm stuck in sin, but grace says I've done, I've paid the price for you. I've overcome sin for you. You don't have to try and overcome. I overcame it for you. Law says I'm not forgiven. Uh, grace says I've forgiven all things. Law says I cannot overcome this, but grace, grace says I've overcome the world so that you don't have to overcome. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? So when you have those thoughts towards yourself, you need to know that you're still stuck under the mindset of law. Not law per se, but the mindset of law. You're still in the old nature way of thinking. We need to change it to get to the place of where we are secure. No, I am anointed. No, I am forgiven. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am purified. I am blessed. I am prosperous. I am made holy. There's nothing in me that is negative. There's nothing in me that is wrong. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Him. So any thought that you have, like I said about yourself, it's easy to contradict it with the grace of God. So that is honoring Pastor Jackie and then for the wonderful work that they're doing. I want to honor Prophet for his grace, his love, and his guidance. Um, you know, if he didn't answer the call of God, none of us would be here today. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. And um, I'm not saying you wouldn't be saved. But I'm just saying you wouldn't be sitting here. Um, so I just want to honor him and, and thank him for everything. He's always just the most amazing husband ever in every sense of way, if I can say it that way. Even in the times when he uh, confronts me or challenges me. Why? Because I take those times not as a time of this is my husband coming against me. No, you mature and you realize, okay, Lord, what are you saying through him? What do I need to work on? What do I need to grow on? Why? Because I said it to our church that side. I said, if we never experience failure in the term of failure, but if we never, let's call it missing the mark. If we never miss the mark, if we never make a mistake, then we would be perfect, right? Then we would be in our glorified bodies and we can 
move beyond this world and go into the next one, or we can go into the next part of the life, but we're not. So therefore, God has to still mold us and shape us and develop us and train us and do the things that He has to. So He has to allow us to make those mistakes. We can't always just be so blessed and have no, no need for God, if, if you understand what I'm saying. He's already given it to us, but we still need to mature ourselves. We still need to become the mature bride. Amen? Amen. And then I want to honor every person that is here. I know we're still on the honor, and it's 15 minutes later. I'm not going to be too long, I, I promise. I want to honor everyone that is here today. If you guys on, were not here, if you guys didn't answer the call of God in your life, if you didn't answer the call to salvation, um, you know, we would still be here because there would be others who would have, but you, would, you guys give us a greater purpose. You being here gives us the greater purpose, and it helps us to fulfill the purpose that God has given in us. So I want to honor you guys for being here, honor you for, and I really mean it. You might look, some of you are looking at me like she's just saying a formality. I don't say just formalities. I literally just say what is in my heart. I'm, a, I'm much more of a conversational preacher than what I am a, um, what do you call those things, uh, the person who studies all of this stuff, a, theo a theo theologian. I'm not a, theo a theological preacher. I'm more of a conversational preacher. Why? Because I need to make it relatable. I need to get you to understand. I need you to be with me. I need you to experience it in this way as well. Amen? So I want to honor you guys. I, we love you guys so much. We value you. We respect you. Um, and it is important that you guys know that. Really, I mean it. Myself, Prophet, Pastor Jackie and Pastor Stefan, we love you guys so much. And um, you guys might be in Cape Town, but you're still our Cape Town family. And Prophet and I love coming to Cape Town. So um, you guys are amazing. And then um, above all else, I want to honor, obviously, God, my Father, Jesus, my Savior, and the Holy Spirit, my friend, uh, my best friend. I want to honor God for everything that He's done in my life, the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads, the struggles, the wilderness, the deserts, the times of joy. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. Amen. And you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for yours either. Many of us don't yet fully even understand this whole left and right hand, but it's not my sermon to preach this morning. I know Prophet is going to get into it, and it's going to set a lot of you free. I want to ask and encourage you not to miss it. There's something about being in the place. If it's a sacrifice that you make, we've all, or most of us, has been fasting for three weeks. We got some cash saved up <laughs> with all the food we didn't eat. So um, do everything that you can to be here. Amen. But when you, with the rest of the conference, I want to encourage everybody to work on their response and their agreeing in the spirit. Not, it's not about just making a sound. It's not about just screaming hallelujah. It's not about just saying amen. No, it's about your spirit being awakened, your spirit being stirred up. There's many times where I can phone Pastor Jackie or I can phone one or two of the other people that... Um, I disciple and stuff, and I'll just phone them, like last night I phoned somebody, and we sat for three and a half hours sharing revelation, sharing revelation, sharing the Word of God, speaking about the Word of God, three and a half, non-stop, and she's witnessed because she was there, but what happens, there was times when we're sitting and we're like talking, and then I'm like sliding my chair back, ah! 
And we're doing this like because it's crazy. The thing is, is our but our spirits are alive. Our spirits are awakened. What is happening when you when your belly when you stir up your belly? Remember, it's rivers of living water that need to flow out of you. If that river is gonna just stand still, nothing is gonna flow. If it's a standing still, your response, your reaction to the excitement, to hearing the revelation, understanding the revelation, it needs to come out. Where does it come out? If there's rivers of living water flowing inside of you, where does that rivers come out? If you look in the natural realm, now everything that is symbolic has a purpose behind it, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but if you look at a natural river that is flowing, where does it exit? Or what is the place called where it exits? It's called the river mouth. For those of you who know a little bit about about that, the exit of a river where it enters, enters into the sea or into the larger river, the they literally call it the end of a river. It's called the river mouth. So therefore, for these rivers of living water that need to flow out of you, where is it going to flow out? Of your mouth. So that's why when we tell you to scream or to shout or to say hallelujah or to... Sh I always tell people to give God a shout of praise. What am I doing? I'm stirring you to get your river to flow out. Amen? Many of us make Christianity so carnal. I know it sounds opposite and sounds contradicting, but we make it sound or we live our Christianity with such a carnal mindset where we want to make everything in the natural. I want my natural physical body to be comfortable. I don't want to scream. I don't want to shout. I've got a reputation. I've got this to do. What is so bad about screaming a hallelujah? What is so bad about clapping your hands in the sky? What is so bad about shaking your body in church? What is so bad about just giving a little dance? What is so bad about jumping up and down? What is so bad about dancing in church? Come on, somebody. Why is it so difficult for us to praise our King of Glory? Come on. It should be why when the rivers are stirred up inside of you there's you cannot sit still you cannot not jump you cannot not dance why do you think we can sit there and we can dance we can scream we can shout because the river is stirred inside of us ready to flow out come on encounter I see some of you are still sitting down stand up on your feet raise your hands if you can't do it yourself, listen to the instruction. We're giving you the way and we're showing you how to do those things. If it talks about you having to praise until the spirit of worship comes in and worship until the glory comes out. Come on. It is not just a coming down. It is a coming out. Come on, somebody. If it were up to me. If it were up to me, we would be praising the whole morning. I wouldn't, we wouldn't go over to, I love worship. We wouldn't be going over to worship. We would just be praising. I was ready for that um, praise song. I was like, okay, Lord, where are we going to do this praise song again? Because I was watching the people from the back and I'm like, how is it possible that people can stand still in the presence of God with no condemnation? I don't mean it. I just don't actually understand it. Why? Because I can't stand still. So it's not because I'm trying to be insensitive or be rude. I just can't live it. So I was trying my best to stand there by the door and stand still. Why? Because I don't want to be too sweaty. I don't want to, you know, be too out of breath and I can't come up here. But I'm like... <laughs> 
at least I'm just like, I can't help it. And then my body goes, and then I'm like, <laughs> okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you should question yourself and ask yourself that. Why is it so difficult? Are you still held back by law? You can have your seats, thank you. Are you still held back by law? Are you still experiencing condemnation? Do you still have unforgiveness? Do you have bitterness? Do you have lack of faith? What is it that's holding you that you are unable to do these things? And please don't say it's personality because it is no longer you who live, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's no such thing about, that is your old nature. Your old self has no ability. The new kinos creation that is inside of you has the ability. Amen? All right, let's get into the message. Let's try. Okay. There is a spiritual, I'm going to try and stick to notes now because otherwise I'm going to go too long. And I, we, I have to be short so that Pastor Stephen can come tonight and you guys come back. Amen? Okay, there's a spiritual system designed that will cause you to produce the Jesus kind of results. And you will need to understand the system if you want to be a partaker of the benefits that is connected to it. This system is known as... What do you think? Anybody. If you're shouting, you must shout loud. Why are you doubting yourself? Do you understand what I'm saying? Not one person with confidence could shout something out. A lot of times, I'm not saying there needs to be disorder in a church. I'm not saying we need to go crazy in a church in the sense of break the protocols, break the systems, break the order. But I'm asking you a question and nobody can answer. Nobody has the confidence to answer or many feel insecure. Let me ask the question again. This system is known as, give me anything, somebody. Okay, visitation. This system is known as faith. But before we get into the message, this morning I will be sharing with you powerful keys on faith that carries the potential to produce powerful results in and through your life. In saying that, please understand that this, mes this message cannot remain just information. It must move from a place of information where it causes transformation. The way you release the potential locked up in this message is by hearing it, taking it, and then applying it. Applied knowledge produces power, and even greater, God's applied knowledge produces or produces the supernatural power of God. And so, although this message might be an inspiring message to many, it is more important that you take it and apply it. The worst thing in life is being inspired and not to act. In James 2 verse 17 it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I'm going to go a little bit quick, so if the scriptures can try and be with me. I don't, do you have the scriptures on, on the live stream? Okay. I'm going to try and be quick just for time. How can I be sure that my actions are truly faith-driven and not just positive confession? Today we will get into keys that will produce the Bible kind of faith. Amen? 
I know some of you are thinking we've heard about faith so many times. So many times. But I asked somebody who's heard of faith so many times, this person I spoke to for three and a half hours last night, what is your revelation or your understanding or your experience with faith? And the first words to me was, Prophetess, to be honest, I sometimes question whether I have faith or not. I sometimes wonder why has something not worked when I thought I had faith and yet it didn't happen or it didn't come through. And that then sparked a three and a half hour conversation. <laughs> okay, so I want us to, I'm just going to lay a short foundation and then we're going to get into it. Um, the sound is fine that side, right? Are you sure? It's not too great for me up here, but it will, we'll, we'll work through it. Amen? Okay, Galatians 3, verse 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you are in Christ, I want you to know that you have received the Spirit and you've done it through faith. A lot of people want to take faith and have it for salvation, but they can't have faith for anything else. They very easily, or most people, very easily on their first moments of salvation receive it and then they doubt it afterwards but at that very moment they receive it but are not able to do that same kind of faith for the rest of the things that we need to have faith for hebrews 12 verse 2 looking upon jesus okay i'm gonna i don't know if they can be a little bit quicker but hebrews 12 verse 2 looking upon jesus the author and the finisher finisher of our faith Jesus is the one who puts, he's the author. What is the author? Author is somebody who writes something. So Jesus is the author of your faith. Is Jesus living on the inside of you? Yes. So therefore, faith is already inside of you. It is not something that you need to work for. It is not something that you need to now obtain afterwards. No. Being a born-again believer, the author of your faith and the finisher of your faith is in you. Amen? Looking upon Jesus, the author and the finisher, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat on the right hand of the throne of God. Ephesians 6 verse 23. Peace to the brethren and love with faith. Do you have faith inside of you? So therefore you have the ability to automatically love it is not something that you have to try and do. You are able to love. Why? Because faith is inside of you. Why? Because Christ is inside of you. Are you with me? I know it might seem simple, but just stay with me. So I'll read it again. Peace to the brethren and love with faith for God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1 verse 14 and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are 
in Christ Jesus. It is easy to love. It is easy to have faith. Why? Because the author and the finisher of your faith is living and residing on the inside of you. Amen. For those of you who followed our conferences throughout the, the um, last two weeks, you will know that Prophet was preaching a lot about how the visitation speaks about the old covenant. God's habitation speaks about the new covenant. Amen. Where God is now not needing to come and visit you. No, He has made His dwelling place on the inside of you. He has made His habitation on the inside of you. You no longer need to cry out, come and visit me, come and visit me. No, come up out of me. Come up out of me. Amen. Okay, Romans 1 verse 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, the Jews first and also the Greeks. Salvation is available for everyone. All that they require is just faith. They are required to believe. Amen? I know it's simple, just stay with me. Okay, for in, oh, sorry, I read 16 first. 16, let's read 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, it says, But of him you are in Christ who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You don't need to try and be sanctified. You don't need to try and have wisdom. You don't need to try and have righteousness. You don't need to try and redeem yourself. Jesus himself became that for us. It is about understanding who is dwelling inside of you, who has made his resting place on the inside of you. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Now, Prophet and Pastor Stephen preached a lot of scripture. So I couldn't come up here and not preach a lot of scripture. Amen. The scripture is what changes your life. When you are able to see it, you are able to believe it. Amen. So don't get bored with reading scripture. Let's respond. <laughs> Amen. 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 There we go. I hope you guys all had a good night. I know there was a wedding last night for somebody, um, a couple in the church. I hope you guys didn't stay out too late, and that's why you... As, you can be quiet with me, just don't be quiet with Pastor Stephen and Prophet, because they are a lot more sterner in the spirit. Amen? Women have grace, and men have a lot of faith. <laughs> okay, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us. All of us can quote the scripture already. To be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, where? In Him. Philippians 3 verse 9. And be found, where? In Him. Oh, you were quick, thank you. Read with me. And be found in him not having our own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in 
Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The moment you try, we can just drop the piano a little bit more, please. We, the moment that you try and do anything out of yourself, you're going to do it by law, and you're going to do it and try and do it through your own righteousness. That's why I said earlier, when you still have the thought, I failed, I've missed it, I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm any form of negativity towards yourself, you are still operating in your own righteousness not in the righteousness of Christ. Your location is still in the law and you have not yet located yourself in grace. Prophet often says it where he says that when people truly understand the fullness of grace, they will be shocked because you are able to accomplish so much for God, no matter what has happened. It doesn't give you a license to sin, no. When you are able to see, many people will come against us and they'll say, no, we're giving people license to sin. They already have a license to sin before we gave them a license to sin. By your law and condemnation, you're giving them a license to sin. What are we doing? We are setting people free from the law and the condemnation that you placed on them. They don't need to do all these things not to be saved. Salvation is a done, sealed deal. There's nothing that nobody can ever do. God said we, nobody can pluck us from his hand. If I'm holding my daughter's hand, nobody, and I mean nobody, will pluck her out of my hand. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 2 verse 1. And we're going to just flow a little bit from there. And I want you to say this with me. Say, and you, he made. So while some of you so dead in church. <laughs> and you, he made alive. Full stop. Let's leave. We can go. We're done. He made you alive. You were dead, but he made you alive. So therefore, everything that flows out of your life is living. It is alive. It is breathing. It is active. It has purpose. Come on, somebody. You might not understand the purpose, but God knows what he's doing. Why? Because he made you alive in him. Everything that comes out of your life is alive in him. Amen. I like that response. Okay. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. For those of you who still disobey, for those of you who still don't follow instructions, whether it's in your workplace, whether it is in the church, I ain't putting no law on you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. <laughs> okay. Disobedience is disobedience. Half an instructions is still a form of a disobedience. If you don't understand, go and ask for a clearer instruction so that you can follow through. Don't be self-righteous and I can't ask another question. No. Ask a question at home, at work, anywhere. 
Okay, verse number three. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of, our, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. There is a difference between the flesh and the body. I mean, for those of you who joined us online would know that Prophet has spoke a little bit about this, but he says there's a difference between the flesh and the body. Many people try to kill the body or are in the mindset and want to kill the body. However, it is our flesh that needs to be put under subjection. The difference, um, sorry, the flesh speaks about a mind of carnality. And the body is the carrier of the Spirit of God. So many of us want to crucify the body, but not realizing that it is our flesh that we need to crucify. It is a mindset of carnality, doing things in carnality, feeding the lusts and the desires of flesh. Not this. This hand is not the thing that wants a packet of chips or a chocolate and eats it. No, the hand just does it. The body just does it. What is the body controlled by? In biological, natural ten, uh, terms? Exactly. So what is carnality? Uh, what is flesh? It is carnality. It is you dealing with your mind. Why does the Bible say that we need to renew our mind daily? Amen. Flesh, like I said, is carnality, a carnality of the mind. But remember, life is spiritual. So choose between a carnal mind or a spiritual mind when hearing and responding towards God. Now, one of the things that Prophet also taught us, and I can't go into everything, but I like referencing back to what Prophet says because it is important to remind the people what, does, what do we preach, what does Pastor Stefan preach. Now, I don't listen to all his things, so I can't go back to what he says, but I can go back to what prophet says but one of the things that he taught us for most of you that would have watched it he taught us on the garden of eden and he spoke about how the trees in the garden were not actually trees but in actual fact they were people and then in this conference he made mention of how even in the garden there was the spiritual man the carnal man and the natural man for those of you who don't know the difference between the three the natural man is your natural person that is out there unsaved, just a normal person walking around there. Your carnal man is a Christian that has the mindset of carnality, and a spiritual man is the Christian who is not living in carnality, but is actually living a spiritual life. So in the Garden of Eden, he was explaining how the trees, the tree of life was the spiritual man. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the carnal man, and then all the other trees in the garden was your natural man. Now the thing is, is what did Adam and Eve do? They chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they chose to live in carnality, and therefore they were separated from the presence of God. When we live our lives in carnality, when we live with a mindset of a carnal way of thinking, a carnal way of doing things, our own righteousness in our own flesh, we are separated from the presence of God, not because God wants to separate from us, no, because we choose to live in that carnal mindset, amen? You're still with me? Okay, people are so carnally minded and self-focused and in a law mindset and self, 
is a law mindset, and they miss God in everything. Okay, so flesh is a carnal mindset. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. As prophet taught, it is the body of the Godhead. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 14 to 20, it says, and God both raised up the Lord and will also rise us up by his power. And do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one with her? For the two, he says, you shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. Um, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Okay. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? We try and still make this life I can do, I can do, or I must do, I must do. No, you must not do. You must just be. Be Him. Be Jesus. Be Christ to this lost and dying world. In your business, be Christ. In your workplace, be Christ. In your everyday living, be Christ. Be Him and reach this, the, 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 the nations of this world. Amen? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Something that I've noticed in um, our Centurion Conference that really touched my heart to the point again of where tears just started streaming down my face. But it's just a way that God really just touches me. I don't just cry for everything. You get some people that can really just cry for everything but that needs to just get a fullness of their identity restored inside of them. But as I was sitting there and I was watching um, Pastor Stefan preach on the Monday morning of our um, Centurion Conference, as I looked at him, I was just looking at him and I wasn't thinking anything. And then it just dropped in my spirit how myself and Prophet, a while ago, we decided to change our lifestyles to make sure that our bodies can be healthy. Not discussing it with one another. The same thing with Pastor Stephen and Pastor Jackie. Or then I realized the same thing with them. Both of them had decided to take a step towards getting their, their bodies healthy and in order without discussing with us, without talking probably to one another to this full extent. Then I realized that our pastors in Belito, Pastor Lloyd and Pastor Melissa, they did the same things. Again, without discussing it with us. Not that they have to discuss it, but you understand what I'm saying. None of us discussed it that, okay, now we as encounter, we're going, to discuss, we're going to do this. But we automatically all just took responsibilities for our bodies and realized that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not a law thing that now I must be so my body can eat and do nothing. No, what did we realize? That when you like take in 
the lusts and the pleasures of the flesh. I know it's food that God created, and I know there's chocolate that God, through someone's creativity, created to, you know, I can, I can, I can um, debate all those things with you, not in a negative way, but the reality is, is that there's the scripture that talks about there's some things that I do that I will not to do and I should do and I shouldn't do and I, I can't quote it but you know which one I'm talking about for those of you who know the word the thing is is there's some things that are just not beneficial for your body there's some things that is going to affect you some people can have 10 chocolates and nothing will do that to them some people can have one chocolate and they end up in the hospital the thing is, is that you shouldn't have 10 chocolates if you can have 10 chocolates because it might not affect you now, but it eventually will catch up with you. The thing is, is for anybody who's ever eaten lacquer and you've enjoyed your food, most of you will feel sluggish. You will feel, ugh, okay, so lazy and so full. That is not just a natural thing. That is literally you just now not being able to do anything. And anything that you try and do, you're going to do out of yourself. Why? Because you have to actually try and overcome this flesh that is so sluggish, that is so ugh. So, anyway, your temple is the, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you really want to get to the place of where, I'm not saying law. I'm not telling you all to be on a diet. I'm just saying be conscious of what you allow in your body. Be conscious of what food and certain wrong things does to you. Why? Because a lot of people want to be effective in the kingdom of God. A lot of people want to, oh Lord, look at that. <laughs> I just looked at the time. A lot of people want to be effective. A lot of people want to make a difference, but they are unable to make a difference. Why? Because they are in that sluggish kind of state. It is not nice. It is not fun. I said to the same girl yesterday, she said she wanted to do a fast and um, she wanted to do a liquid fast. And I said to her, okay, no, that's great. I said to her, but don't you think it's going to be more of a sacrifice if you actually just start eating healthy and you deny your flesh of those things? Why? Because you fast for three weeks, four weeks, even say 40 days. What do you do after that 40 days? You binge. Then you binge and you start the process all over again. I'm not saying don't fast. Fasting deals with the carnality of your mind, so it's important. Fasting doesn't make you more spiritual. It just deals with your carnality. I said to her, rather just eat healthy. Deny yourself of the things that you want to eat. It's more of, trust me, for those of you who know, it is harder to say no to the unhealthy stuff when you are allowed to eat it because you're not now bound in a fast, bound in a, I'm not saying fasting is law, I'm just saying, when you put law on your fast, amen? That was for somebody. I don't know who needed that, but somebody needed that. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, again, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up together read that with me so that you can believe it and raised up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so what I want to say regarding that is for this conference Every single person that is here this morning that is attending for the rest of the conference, from this morning to tonight, to tomorrow night, and Tuesday night, and the rest of your year, the rest of your life, 
Whenever you are seeking a visitation with God, don't sit there or kneel there or stand there weeping, oh Lord, come and visit me. Oh Lord, take me high. I want to go to high places with you. Oh Lord, just come and meet with me. No, he's already seated you with him. If Pastor, or let's say if Albertus and Jared are sitting next to each other, are they able to touch one another? Hold, just touch each other. They are able to touch one another. They are close enough to touch one another. They are able to talk to one another and clearly hear one another. They are able to do anything together in that moment. Why? Because they are close enough, seated next to each other, close enough. This is the same thing. Jesus is right here. He's seated with you in heavenly places. As prophet has taught us, heaven is not somewhere out there. God is not somewhere out there where we are looking for him somewhere out there. No, He is inside of you. They are living, residing, and dwelling on the inside of you. So don't beg this conference for a visitation. Don't beg this conference for God to meet you. Say, Lord, I'm available. Come up out of me. Ignite this fire. Ignite this passion. Ignite the hunger. And let your visitation come up out of me. Many people just want visitations, 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 but they don't understand that it's already there. He's already made his dwelling place. People are waiting for him to come down. People are waiting for him to meet with them, to feel the goosebumps, to feel the little vibrations, to feel the maybe, and they, and they fall over. Many people are waiting for these moments, and then they feel this, okay, now I can go out and do something, and then it's gone. They wake up the next morning, that hunger, that passion, that drive that they had to do anything for God, most of the time is either gone or dimmed. Why? Because you're not in the atmosphere of where God is. You haven't made yourself knowingly and you haven't let yourself receive the revelation that you yourself are the dwelling place of God. Where you walk, when you talk, when you speak, wherever you are, whether you are at home, whether you are in your business, whether you're in your car, whether you're even on the loo, God has made His dwelling place in you and with you. So wherever you walk, wherever you go, He is with you. I'm not saying you don't need to be in a church. Okay, we get some people out there who are like, strange. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't have to be here. No, you need to be here for a different person, a purpose. People come to the church just to experience God, leave, come back to experience Him and leave, come back to experience Him. No, this is your training ground. It is your training ground. It is where you are molded. It is where you are shaped. It is where you are tested. It is where you serve. It is where you go up the ranks and you go out there. Does it mean you can't do anything while you are going up the ranks? Absolutely not. Why? Because you're not doing it for us. You going out and reaching the world out there is not just to bring somebody to church. No, it is advancing the kingdom, but you cannot go out there because you think that the kingdom is only here or the presence of God is only here because most people only experience the presence of God here. And can you agree? For most of you might feel that way at oftentimes. I'm not saying some of you don't feel your encounters at home, but the evidence of us being 
Christ in the world is not evident on most of our lives because we haven't yet understood He is our dwelling place. Not because of what we've done, not because of our answer to salvation. No, if He didn't make that call available, we wouldn't be here. Okay, Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together. And okay, we sit in heavenly places. That in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness. Greatness and, or let me say, riches. Now, many people think that riches is just finances. No. The richness that is locked up inside of you is the wisdom that God has given you. The richness that is locked up inside of you is the freedom that God has given you. The richness that is locked up inside of you is the health, the prosperity, the goodness, the grace, the mercy, the love, the compassion, absolutely everything that is locked up inside of you. Everything that Christ is, is locked up inside of you. And that is the riches. Only a small portion of that is the prosperity of it. But many people focus their riches only on finances, neglecting the riches, which is actually the richness, which is Christ that is in you. And it's not just a little, it is exceedingly or exceeding riches of His grace. In His kindness. Many of us struggle to show any form of kindness towards people. Many of us struggle to show any form or very little form of respect towards other people. Yet you want to be Christ-like. It's very clear in the Bible that we need to not just honor your man and woman of God, not just honor your leaders, not just honor your um, mentors, but to honor one another. If we cannot honor one another whether it's your brother and sister in Christ, whether it's somebody that is lower than you. If you cannot honor and respect them, you need to go back into your prayer closet and ask God to break you, and you need to ask Him to humble you. I'm not saying all of us are perfect in that. But the moment you become conscious, but wait. But it is impossible for you to do that if you're still living in your own righteousness. And then verse number eight, I want to just read this one first from the King James, and then I'll read it from the New King James. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Now in the New King James, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Verse number nine, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our footsteps are ordered of the Lord. He knew us before we were formed in our mother's wombs. He knows the plans that he has for us, plans to prosper, plans to do all those things, not to fail, not to... Do we really think that God, who is a God, would want us to fail? No. The way that God sees evil or failure is not the same way as what we see evil or failure. When you turn into the new creation or when you actually accept yourself being the new creation in Christ, understanding His grace, you will see it with God's perspective. I cannot look at a rebuke, for those of you who've ever received a rebuke, I cannot look at a correction, at a struggle, at anything that I face in this life the same way. For a while now, God has been doing it for me for a couple of, couple of years, but as he's been doing it, he's just been progressing it and progressing it. Where I even tell Pastor Jackie, I said to her, I can't look at these things the same. I can't. For me, whenever anything happens, I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you saying through this to me? If I'm going to think of myself more highly than I ought and thinking that God has no work still to do in me, I will fall very quickly because pride comes before a great fall. Romans 3, verse 21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The scripture before said, by grace through faith. Whom God set forth as a prohibition by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins at, that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that we might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You can't have faith, sorry, you can't have through faith without by grace. You can't have by grace without through faith. Many people want to separate the two, grace and faith. No, if it wasn't for God having grace on us, Jesus would not have come. If Jesus did not have faith in God, he would never have come. Or faith in himself. But obviously in the natural man, he had faith in God. Many times we see how Jesus called upon God. 
In John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes, um, no one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and Christ is in us, and we are to be Christ in the world, Jesus is not going to be revealed to people except through your life. It is not up to me, it is not up to Pastor Stefan, Pastor Jackie, Prophet, or any other pastors. Let's be brave and include the leaders in and trust that they do it too. It's not just up to us to be the way, the truth, and the life in this world. Why can I say that? Why? Because Christ is in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So therefore, I can be the way that leads people to Jesus. I can be the truth. Why? Because the truth is living and breathing inside of me. The way is living and breathing on the inside of me. The life is living and breathing on the inside of me. Okay, so just to get quickly back, I'm going to share this part, and I've got 10 other pages that I can't get to. <laughs> but let's just get to this part. On When I speak about by grace through faith, prophet a while ago, he preached a, um, I can't remember the name of the sermon, but part of what he preached, he spoke about how Abraham and Sarah carried the message of faith and grace. We know that um, Abraham was the father of faith, and Sarah, he mentioned, was called the mother of grace. The thing is, is like I said, you can't have by grace without through faith. You can't have through faith without by grace. So with Abraham and Sarah, we all know the story, obviously, of how they couldn't have a child, they wanted a child, and so on, and so on, and so on. But I was, as I was, as Prophet mentioned, and then some stuff that I was thinking about is that, but I thought Abraham sort of had an adopted son, right? Lot was kind of like his adopted son. For those of you who don't know the story, Lot is Abraham's nephew. And you read very early on that Lot traveled with Abraham from the beginning, from the time that Abraham moved, Lot traveled with him. It was his nephew, but if you travel with somebody, I'm not going to just move in with my aunts and travel with them. It ain't going to happen. It's not normal to do those kind of things. So they were close enough to, for them to have moved around together and for them to live together. But it was not the promise yet. If you look at Lot, his name means, the name of Lot means veil or hidden. And only when Lot and Abraham were separated did God say to Abraham, um, Abraham, now lift your eyes or lift your eyes now and see. So, Lot had to be removed. The veil needs to be removed from your eyes. The hidden things needs to be removed from your eyes. You can no longer see the hidden things of your heart and think that that is what you are and who you are. Lot needed to be removed from Abraham before God could unlock and really show him and give him the ability to see the promise that God had for him. But then obviously we know that Abraham had a second son, right? Well, let's call him the second son, first biological son, but let's call him his first son. We all know that that was Ishmael, because Abraham and Sarah could not have a child yet. Then um, Sarah gave Hagar to um, Abraham, told her to marry her, get a son, and so on, which they did, which was Ishmael. Ishmael. But I thought they were, he, was, he would have been satisfied by that. But no, the promise did not come in Ishmael. It is still Abraham's seed. 
but it was not the promise. So the promise had not yet come. So where did the promise come? It was by faith, which is Abraham, or let's say by grace, Sarah, through faith, Abraham, that the promise came together and it was conceived and it was born. Many people want to have faith, but they are unable to experience or understand or know the true meaning of grace, who grace is. And we don't live in grace. We live in law trying to have faith. But Abraham had law. He had faith because Abraham was the father of faith. But he had no grace, which was Sarah. He had Hagar and he had Ishmael that came from just having faith, not understanding that it is by grace through faith. We need to understand who our grace is. And that's why, for those of you who have not yet listened to this message where Prophet preached about, um, um, I think we called it Once Saved, Always Saved, something like that. I'm not sure of the exact title, but it's something to do with uh, on that term. I want to encourage you to go listen to it. Every single person that I spoke to were set free. They were healed. They were delivered. They were transformed. And they were really, their lives were changed upside down truly experiencing that God is not going to separate you from himself. If man thinks that they can, so be it to man. But if you are confident in knowing that nothing can separate you from the love of God, nothing can pluck you out of his hand, and you are secure by grace, you are sealed by grace through faith, it's your faith. Now, I can't get into the whole teaching because I don't have much time. But I want you to understand, we can stand up because I won't be able to go through the whole um, message. Faith and grace works together to conceive, to carry, to grow, to produce, and to birth the promised outcome. You can't have through faith, like I said, without by grace. And you can't have by grace without through faith. In the old age, the promise came to pass, even though it was by grace through faith. Test, trials, and endurance had to be in place. But God came through. Yet after the promise um, was there, Abraham... Okay, so even after the promise was there, Abraham was still tested to take Isaac up to the mountain to be sacrificed. Both Abraham and Sarah had repeated visitations about the promise. Your faith will be tested, just as Abraham was with his promise. Doesn't matter if your promise is in your hand. Let's say, for example, God has promised you a business, He's promised you a child, He's promised you a ministry, He's promised you whatever it's been whether you've already experienced that part of your promise or that part of your call, that part of your purpose, beforehand, most of you will know you are tested through that. There's tests of endurance, there's tests of faith, there's tests of all kinds of things. The same way, once you receive your promise through faith, it'll also be tested. When you are experiencing in this God visitation conference and you're experiencing visitations from God, automatically your mind will go, is this really God? 
Am I really experiencing him? Or afterwards, oh, it was just another meeting. No. No. Be confident in your experience. Be confident by grace through faith. Believe. If you look at um, some of the things that I wanted to share in the Bible, if you look in the portion of Scripture in Matthew uh, 17, verse 19 to 21, where it talks about having faith the size of a mustard seed. I know many of us have heard the message about faith as small as a mustard seed. If you can just have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move a whole mountain. It is not about the size of your faith. You still put a limitation on that. No, it is about understanding the potential behind that faith. What potential does that mustard seed have? But what, does, what needs to happen to that mustard seed for the potential to come out? It needs to fall to the ground and die. And then it will bear much fruit. But now the other interesting fact about a... I'm going to go quickly. Sorry, guys. The other thing that is so interesting about a, a mustard seed and a mustard tree is that... Obviously, we know mustard trees can grow very big. The smallest, uh, according to what I've studied, the smallest um, tree in the form of a mustard seed will grow up to about 1.8 meters. The biggest will grow over 9 meters high. A small little mustard seed that is two, uh, 2 millimeters in size will grow that big. But then I went and looked a little bit further into what is a mustard seed because I'm interested in those kind of things. So I looked and I saw that a mustard seed, it doesn't have a bark and then have branches. It literally stems out branches, for those of you who don't know. And we know that the Bible said that Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. So we want to have this great faith. We think that we need to have this little bit of faith. No. Know the potential in that faith, how big it can grow. But what does it grow into? It doesn't grow into one tree standing tall. No. It grows into many branches. I am a branch. You are a branch. You are a branch. You are a branch. So when you have faith with the right people, when you have a council around you that is people of faith, people of wisdom, people of understanding, people of knowledge, people of courage and not um, people who will put you down, you need to know that you are either going to have faith around you or you're going to have disbelief around you. Are you going to be a mustard seed and you are going to grow and your branch is going to grow, but the rest of your branches are going to die? I'm sorry to say, but they are also, you are also going to die with those branches. So you need to, that seed, I know I'm rushing it, I'm sorry, but that seed, the potential that it has is to grow into great faith and anything can happen where two or three uh, agree on my name, there I am there also. So when you are having faith with one another, together your faith has the potential to move mountains. You will say to this mountain, be removed from here and it will move. Amen? If we look at the woman with the issue of blood, the one that went up to Jesus, we know she went up to Jesus and she touched the hem of the garment. But what did she do? She said within herself. But the thing with her is, is that she and many, all the people that were there, they listened to what Jesus had spoke. But what was the difference between her? She didn't just listen and she didn't just believe, but she actually stepped out and she did something. So you can't just listen to what you are taught. You can't just listen to the revelation and the principles that you are, that you are taught. You can't just believe it. You need to be like the woman with the issue of blood and actually step out and touch the hem of his garment. But what did this woman do? The woman didn't just, you can give God a praise of, a, a praise offering.
But what did this woman do? This woman didn't just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. We see in Malachi 2 verse 4, it says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. That word wings, if you go study it in the Hebrew, it actually talks about a little tassel. The same tassel that was on the hem of Jesus' garment. So what did this, listen to the scripture again so that you get it. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall arise with healing in his wings. So she received her healing there. A prophecy was being fulfilled through this woman's life when she touched the wings or the tassel of the hem of his garment and she was healed but she didn't just stay there she didn't just stand still like everybody else everybody else that was there in that crowd left the same way this was the only woman who touched the hem of his garment she did something about it so in this in this conference don't just hear don't just believe but do something about it do something actively step out in faith and minister to somebody reach somebody, um, step out in your business, step out in contracts, step in. God has given you the ability to have rivers of living water flow out of you. So if you feel like an unsuccess, if you feel that you cannot communicate, you need to still tap into that rivers of living water that is inside of you so that that can flow out in your business meetings, flow out in your presentations, flow out in your work, in your teaching, whatever you are doing, whatever your form of business is, you have the ability to speak to people and contracts will just come your way you have the ability to just walk and somebody stops you and say hey listen I feel this 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 they don't even know what they're doing they're being prophetic and they don't even know that they're being prophetic why because they will just stop and these supernatural things happen people it is not just a mystery that is somewhere no there no it, these supernatural things have the ability to happen they are what is the life why because we need to do greater things than what Jesus did and if Jesus did some great things in the Bible we need to do some greater things why we are not bringing glory and honor unto our own name we are bringing it unto the Father, unto Jesus. Amen. But we need to understand that grace and faith work together. Many of us, like I say, try and have faith and we believe ourselves to have faith as small as a mustard seed and we want to move mountains, but it is not just about that faith. It is about understanding His grace. It is about being around the right people with the right atmosphere in the right church, in the right friendship groups, making sure that your ears and your flesh stays closed, that you do not have a mind of carnality, but you have a mind of the Spirit. When somebody else is gossiping, when somebody else is slandering, whether it is at, whether it is at work, whether it is at whether it is at church, wherever it might be, if somebody else is gossiping, you close off your ears and you begin, you begin to bring the rivers of living water to flow out of you. It is not just by what you say, but it is about who you are, how the presence, those people will begin to feel uncomfortable because of the presence, because of the aura, the atmosphere that is all the way around you. They will begin to repent. They will fall to the ground and begin to cry out to someone to to a God. Come on somebody. This is the supernatural life by faith through grace that we need to be living. Not this little sissy Christianity where we think that we are defeated. No. I'm going to say hell no. We are not defeated. We have overcome because he overcame all dominion, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to us. Why? Because Christ is living and breathing 
yourself. It is not your own nature. It is Him that is residing inside of you. Come on, somebody. There is a light. There is a fire that is burning inside of you, ready to go out into the world. You are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Come on. That mindset of death, that mindset of carnality needs to be broken by you. It is a choice that you make. God has given man a free will. No one will make the choice for you. In the week, Pastor Jack and I were talking about our deliverances and how our deliverances came so quickly. And people don't understand. Prophetess, how does your life or your deliverance come so quickly? Why? Because I chose to let it go. I chose to stand on the word, to proclaim the word over myself. When a suggestion comes of you are not good enough, hell no, I have been purchased by the blood. I am good enough. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. I do nothing of myself, but I do what I see my father does. Oh, come on somebody. I do what I see my Jesus do. I live the way that I see Jesus lived his life. Come on. But you cannot do that if you don't understand His grace. You cannot do that if you think that your faith is just as small as a little mustard seed. I'm not saying don't start off like that. But that seed needs to be planted in fertile ground. That seed needs to be watered. A mustard tree is an evergreen tree. For those of you who don't know, it means it bears fruit. Okay, it means it's green all the way around. There's not seasons of death. There's not seasons of wilderness. There's not season of dry times. No, it is evergreen. Your faith will cause you to be an evergreen. Yes, you might only reap, uh, I think they reap once a year. Some can reap two times a year. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't have life all year round. Your faith causes you to have life all year round. Come on, somebody. Your faith needs to be stirred up. Your faith needs to be, um, it needs to spring up out of you. I can stir your faith by my preaching, but you are the one who needs to hear it. You are hearing me say it. Now you need to believe it, and then you need to step out and do it, because I'm only here in phase one with you. You need to be phase one with Jesus, and phase two with Jesus, and understand that it's not I who does anything, but it is Christ in you who does everything with you. The Holy Spirit was sent to be with you as your helper. He promised, Jesus promised that we would not have to do this alone we will not be orphans but he would send the helper the helpers there to help you stop being so self-righteous and so full of pride and so arrogant saying that oh I'm not good enough for God no you are that is why he went to the cross don't put down the cross don't undermine the cross and the work that was done on the cross with your self-righteousness and your pride and your arrogance thinking you are so holy that Jesus didn't die for you come on I know I just went there. But some people need to hear that. If you think negatively of yourself, you think negatively of Christ, which means you undermine the work that He did on the cross. He didn't do it in vain. 
He didn't do it. He didn't do half a work on the cross. No, Jesus did a full work, a complete work in you. It is you that needs to realize that is the grace of God, that he did it all through your faith, believing that, yes, I am worthy. Why? Because it is not me that is worthy. It is my new creation. It is my new creature, my kindness creation that is worthy. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Come on, somebody. He loved us enough to send his only son to die for us. You might struggle with love, but God doesn't. You might struggle with trust, but God doesn't. You might struggle with faith and grace and believing and hope and being able to prosper and all those things. Christ doesn't. That is in you. Move out of the place of your own righteousness, understanding his righteousness in you, his life, his glory, contradicted with the word. You cannot have faith without the word. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to have faith without the word. Why? Because the word is very clear. My people perish for a lack of knowledge, knowledge of the word, understanding of the word. If I, I was talking to the girl, I'm going to refer a lot, but I was talking to the girl on the phone last night and I said, we were on a video call and I said to her, you know, if you didn't recognize that this was a phone and know that this was a phone and that you could speak to me like that, you would not know how to use it. We would not have this conversation and we would not just have had a three and a half hour glorious time in the Lord. The same way, if you don't know who Christ is in you, if you don't know how Christ works and how Christ operates that is inside of you, you will never know how to have conversations with Him. You will never know how to communicate with Him. You will never know how to understand Him and you will never know how to be used by Him and even just dwell with Him. A lot of us just want to do so much works, 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 works that we think, okay, I'm going to just spend a little bit of time with God now or we spend time with God because of the works that we need to do. No, it is understanding that everywhere you walk, everywhere you talk, you have conversation with him in your mind. I'm always pondering on the word, pondering on conversation, just having random questions for God. Where I say to God, these random questions, if there's something that we talked on a Sunday and I don't have an answer for that, I talk to God. And what happens in the week, I will read something or the next Sunday prophet will come and he will preach that. And I'm like, if I had that thought for all of you, then great. You guys can receive the revelation for me. But it's not like that. Every single message that is taught, God speaks to every single one of us. There's something in this service that was for you. You might have lost your concentration here and there, but where you had your concentration, where you caught what was being said today you must know that that is for you that is what God is speaking into your life we need to train ourselves to get to the place of where we're not just focused on ourselves but we focused on the fullness of the message of God because there's people that are going to come along your way that is going to need the insight the revelation and the knowledge that is that's preached to you on a Sunday so that you can now go and preach to it and don't wait for those people to come to you you go looking for these people you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you as to who you need to speak to or you just listen because there's many times where the Holy Spirit will guide you to do something and many of us we don't we just think it's our own thoughts no 
If life is spiritual, then everything about life is spiritual. If you having a thought about, let's be very, very blunt. If you having a thought about pornography, that thought of pornography is not spiritual in the sense of where it's feeding your lusts of your flesh. No, it is God showing you, hey, deal with it. Deny your flesh, deal with it. If I'm not mistaken, it's be angry, but sin not. Be tempted, but sin not. And even if you do fall in that sin, don't go and do it. But even if you do fall in that, don't crucify yourself because Jesus was already crucified for that. Get up, repent, change from your ways. Repentance talks about changing from your ways and move forward. And the next time, deny your flesh. If you feel like doing certain things that you're not supposed to, say, I'll do it in an hour. That hour comes, I'll do it in another hour. Just overcome. If you can't do it like this, deny your flesh, your carnal mind. But when you are stuck in the Word, when you're stuck in revelation, sermons and preachings and teachings, that are the whole time playing in your room, promise you, you'll have so much conviction, you'll do nothing. So that was for somebody too. I don't know who it was for. Maybe this part of the message was for you. But let's just raise our hands. Let's get ready to just honor God in our hearts, in our minds. I know we already honored Him with our finances. Father, we thank you so much for your presence that is always with us, that is always around us, that is always in us. We thank you for you dwelling in us and being with us. Father, I thank you for the word that you released. I thank you for the message that you had for the people. Father, I pray that their hearts will stir up with a holy hunger, that their lives will become living sacrifices. Their lives will become evidence of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. But let every veil that is still over their eyes be torn into this day. Father, let everything that is hidden in their hearts, be exposed this day. Let it be removed from them. Father, I pray that they will understand your grace, that they will and be increased in their faith, that they will make certain choices that they need to make, Father. People that they need to remove, conversations that they need to exit from, and help them to become the light of the world. Help them to be the ones that are showing who you are Help them to realize and understand who is living and breathing on the inside of them. I thank you for the encounters that they will have. I thank you for the visitations that they will have this conference. But Father, let not one person leave this conference without understanding and really truly accepting and living a life of you being their habitation. I thank you for everyone that joined us online, Father, everyone that is in their house. Father, whether it's people who don't have finances, whether it's people who live too far, I pray that you will make a way for those who so desperately and so hungrily desire to be in this place. Provide for them finances if they need to travel. Provide for them an opportunity to even come to this place or to come to another place. Let your will be done in their lives, but make a way for them where there seems to be a no way so that they too can be part of the fellowship and not just part of the online fellowship. Bless them, Father. Increase them. Let them visit with you and encounter with you. Let your angels be with every single person 
Let your hand be on every person. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You can give God a shout of praise. Thank you so much, everybody.